the mind still. We're still mostly on the mind. It's the one most important thing. And when you practice meditation, you get to taste the mind. No? All the things that you're tasting while you're here, you get to taste the mind. Many people say there's that saying, no? The mind is a terrible thing to taste. Or is that waste? I'm not sure. There is a saying, mind is a terrible thing to taste. It can be, no? When you have to deal with what's going on in the mind. But from the sounds of it, uh, at this point, you've, if you think back, then you can see how the mind can be a terrible thing to taste. But now, now I was it. After you've done the foundation course and you've done some retreats, you can see the difference. If anyone asks, is meditation of any value? Because you might forget. This is the nature of the mind. We forget what we've done in the past. So you have to keep this in mind and you have to do this. Now you have proof. And don't forget this. Meditation is valuable. Because it's now brought you to the point where the mind isn't such a bad thing to taste. Why is this? Why is it that actually the mind isn't, when you dig, 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 and go very, very deep, that eventually you come to the mind is not, not such a bad thing to experience or to be involved in? This is because the Buddha said, this is what we're getting in today, Pabhasarang Vabhasaramidang bhikkhuve jitta Radiant, oh bhikkhus, is the mind. Radiant is the mind. So people think, you, know, you might get the idea anyway that the Buddha taught that our mind is a, is a bad thing. No? The mind is a rotten thing that we have to throw away. Because he often said that about the body. Because the body is something that we have to throw away. Before long the body will lie on the earth, the Buddha said. Just like a charred log, as useless as a charred piece of wood. This body that, that we cling to, no? my body. Actually, all that's happening is it's clinging to us, and eventually it, it stops clinging, and, and we have to let it go. Some people can't, that's why they, we talk here about ghosts, you know, in graveyards, because once in a while they can't let go, and they're so clinging so much. But the body, we have to let it go. It's something that is actually rotten inside, or, or it's, it's ripening, and eventually it's going to go rotten and fall apart. But the mind, on the other hand, the Buddha said, deep down in the mind, the mind is, be is beautiful, is radiant. Babasaram midam pikkave kittam. So it's not that our mind is defiled. Our mind isn't, there's nothing bad about our mind, but what's wrong? He says, Tancha ko agantu kehi upakile sehi. Upakile. 
mean, it becomes defiled, the mind becomes defiled by uh, visiting agantuka, visiting defilements or uh, defilements that just pass through. And then he says that an ordinary person doesn't see this, doesn't see this as it is. So they might think there's something wrong with the mind. When an ordinary person has depression or anger or, or greed, they can, it can drive them crazy because they think that this is a part of them. This is why people take medication trying to change the mind. You know? They take these medications and it, it attacks the brain, but it doesn't get to the mind. But because they don't see that actually the mind is, is bright, the Buddha said, it's for that reason that I say there is no uh, there is no jitta bhavana, there is no development of mind for, an, or, for a, an ordinary person, for most people. Most people are unable to develop their mind because they can't see that deep down the mind is that deep down the mind is uh, radiant but a person who has considered carefully and looked into the wise things he says this person is able to see that the mind is beautiful the mind is radiant because they're able to practice meditation and then the Buddha goes on he says in fact he gives an example of, of the mind of loving-kindness the mind of loving-kindness, for example. If achara sankatam matampi ke bhikkhave bhikkhu metachitena asevati If a monk or anyone who takes on the life of a meditator or to practice the mind of loving-kindness for example even for a, an instant so if after you practice your meditation you send love to the other people the other meditators and your parents and your, uh, and your friends and, and your enemies you know, and to all beings. If you do it even just for a moment, just take a moment to send love. The Buddha said, This person, if it's this this bhikkhu, their meditation is not in vain. And so we have Arita Jani Jano. Arita Jano, they're a person who practices jhana not in vain, not without purpose, practices meditation, viharati. They dwell meditating with some purpose. They are a person who follows the teaching of the Buddha, sattu sasanakaro, who, who undertakes the teaching of the Buddha, the teaching of the teacher, this is the Buddha. Ovada Patikaro, someone who undertakes the 
the advice, no? the exhortation of the Buddha, and so on. And then he says, so what do you think of, of or what could you say about when someone really develops it, develops it extensively? final thing he has to say is that all akusala dhamma and all kusala dhamma he goes on as well but we'll stop there kusala dhamma and, kus, and akusala dhamma they have the mind as their manopubangama they all have the mind as their forerunner the mind comes before all kusala and all akusala so you can put this all together, this is actually the same teaching, it goes in order. We're talking about the mind. Our mind is beautiful. Our mind is not uh, something that we should throw away or discard or try to run away from. The reason why it's so difficult to face the mind is that the, the mind is covered over in defilement. It's like spinning around like a top and throwing out all these defilements. In the beginning that's hard to see, but at this point you should be able to see that actually the problem isn't the mind, the problem is the defilements that arise. And actually you can feel good about yourself. You can feel good about the mind. And fo uh, focus your life on the mind, on keeping your mind free from these defilements. It's like you have to set up a guard because you have this wonderful treasure of a mind that can do so much good for you. But if it gets taken over by the defilements, it will become your worst enemy. This is why he says that the, the development of the mind is, is of, a great, of great benefit. Even for just a moment, you do a great thing. I think what's important about this teaching about a moment is to help us get over the idea of how long we're practicing. Even hour or day or week or month or years and just focus on the moment not think about how long it's going to take or how, lo how long we have to sit and meditate for or how long we have to stay here or so think about just this moment don't think about oh in the past I was not a good meditator or I didn't meditate or I, I did a lot of bad things in the past only think of this one moment and you can you can be proud of yourself in that one moment. You can feel good about yourself. You can feel good about your mind and confident about what you've done. Because when you work in moments, then you're actually, you're actually truly developing good things. You're truly developing goodness. You can only develop goodness in a moment. No? You can't develop goodness an hour from now or an hour ago. Even a moment from now you can't develop it. You can only develop it now. And that's only one moment of goodness. The next moment maybe your mind changes and you're into delusion or, or attachment or uh, anger or hatred or so on. So we should always think, that this is a very important teaching, to always think in terms of moments. This is why the Buddha said, even for a moment, we should think like that. And we should count the moments, not count the hours. Never count the hours of practice that you've done or the weeks or the months or the years. 
count the moments. And then you think, oh, I've done a lot of meditation. Too much. I can't even count how much meditation I've done. Or maybe you think, hmm, I haven't even done many moments. I've done many hours, but most of those hours were nodding off or thinking about other things. So you can see where the real meditation is. So the Buddha said, it's the mind that uh, the mind that, that is defiled. All akusa dhamma, all unwholesome dhammas, all bad things we say, it all comes from when these defilements take over the mind. You can't have akusa dhamma without the mind. You can't have unwholesomeness without the judgments of the mind. Because the mind falls into liking and disliking, clings to this or becomes averse to that. And leads us around in, in, in so much so much delusion. So our practice is is to find the pure mind inside. This is something for us to think about. Is that actually the mind is not the problem. If we can see the mind and this is this is why it, it works for us to simply see things as they are because there's nothing wrong with things. There's nothing wrong with the world around us. There's nothing wrong with our mind. What's wrong is the, the, the judgments and the defilements that cover the mind up. When you can see things as they are and just thinking, thinking, or seeing, seeing, hearing, smelling, suddenly the mind is pure again. You think the mind is inher inherently dirty, it's not true. At the moment when you say seeing, seeing, you connect with the pure mind. Your mind is pure, clear, you know seeing. When you lift your foot, you know, you know you're lifting the foot, this is lifting. You have a clear mind. At that moment there's no, there's no defilements in the mind. When you know the movement, when you know the object, when you know the stomach, if you know this is rising, just knowing this is rising, the mind is pure. So we're not trying to create anything, we're trying to get rid of stuff. So that in the end, all that's left is our awareness of things as they are. This is this is this. And it, it certainly isn't, isn't something easy but it's something we should we should feel confident that deep down inside we're perfectly pure. We just have to find that perfectly pure, perfect purity. Get rid of all the impurity that's covering it up, and digging down to find the, the buried treasure. Okay, so just another short teaching, something for us to think about as we go through the. We'll try to just go through the Buddhist teaching and. and and you'll have an idea of what the Buddhists teach. I think even from just this brief few teachings that we've gone through, you can see how much emphasis the Buddha placed on meditation and on on the mind. So he didn't say studying or, or helping other people or so on. He said developing the mind, even for just a moment, that's what makes your monastic life, the life of a monk, worthwhile not to mention the life of all beings. So 
This is for us to develop. It's encouragement that we're on the right path. And we're doing, as the Buddha said in just now, he said, this is someone who follows his exhortation. This is someone who undertakes his teaching, who, who, who performs the instruction of the Buddha. So we're practicing Buddhism here. And we have the Buddha to back us up. Without further ado, we'll move on and get on with our meditation. So you can all go back and do mindful prostration, walking and so forth.